So we're going to hear a scripture reading this morning from the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to hear some words of Jesus from John chapter 6. Listen for God's voice as we hear these words. These words from John chapter 6, beginning with verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the religious leaders began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this week, we watched together, as our movie of the week, we watched together a movie, Sing 2. Now, a few of us, just a handful of us, really, went out to the movie theater on Tuesday night and watched the movie together in the theater. Many, many more of us, because it was available for streaming online, decided to stay at home and, and watch Sing 2 online this week. I hope that somehow, at some point in the week, you got a chance to watch this movie, Sing 2. Sing 2 is an, an animated musical. And it's the sequel to a movie that we watched years ago as part of our very first Faith at the Movie series at Court Street United Methodist Church. Years ago, when we went out to watch Sing to, or Sing together as a church family, we met this, this character, a koala named Buster Moon. And in the first Sing movie, Buster is, is, he's got his hands full. He's trying to run this theater that he inherited from his father. And things aren't going well, and it looks like the theater is going to maybe have to close. And so in desperation, Buster comes up with this idea to, to save the theater. He decides that he's going to host at the theater a singing competition. And he offers a big cash prize. And in the course of putting the singing competition together, Buster discovers all of these incredible performances right there in his community. He discovers all of these artists and all of these musicians who for one reason or another have been hiding their light under a bushel. And so as we begin the second movie, Sing 2, as we begin Sing 2, Buster's doing really well. His theater is doing well. He and all of his performers are putting on spectacular musicals in front of sold-out crowds. Things are going really well for Buster the Koala at his theater at the beginning of this movie, Sing 2. But Buster has already got his sights on bigger and better things. Buster is convinced that he and his performers, he and his musicians have got what it takes takes to make it in Red Shore City. Now, in the world of the Sing movies, Red Shore City is, is sort of a, a Las Vegas meets Broadway kind of a town. Red Shore City is the kind of place where if you can make it there, then you have really hit the big time. Buster is convinced that he and his performers have got what it takes to make it big, to make it in Red Shore City. And so at the beginning of Sing 2, Buster asks his performers to take a leap of faith. He says, come with me to Red Shore City. I 
I believe that we can make it big. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't actually have a plan, but I am asking you to trust in me and get on this bus and let's go to Red Shore City and, and just believe that somehow it's all going to work out. Buster asks his performers to take a leap of faith. And from that moment on, it becomes clear that this is what this movie Sing to is really about. This movie is about taking a leap of faith. It's about taking that first step even when you can't see the rest of the road. It's about making a promise to do something even when you have no idea how you're going to accomplish the thing that you have promised to do. Buster, at the beginning of this movie, asks his performers to take a leap of faith. And they do. They trust in him. They get on the bus. They go to Red Shore City. And then eventually, somehow, Buster ends up in front of a big-time producer. And Buster pitches this musical to this big-time producer. And the producer likes what he hears. He is leaning forward. And then finally he says to Buster, he says, I will produce your musical on one condition. He says, you have got to get Clay Calloway to come out of retirement to be in your musical. Now, Clay Calloway was at one time the biggest rock star in the whole world, but he has been retired from performing for 15 years. 15 years ago, he retired from music and nobody has had, heard him sing since. Hardly anybody has even seen Clay Calloway in 15 years. He's become this sort of famous recluse, this mysterious character who everybody remembers, but nobody has seen in ages. This producer says to Buster, if you can get Clay Calloway to come out of retirement, and be in your musical, I will produce your show. And so Buster takes another leap of faith and he says, I can do it. He says, I will do it. We have got a deal. And as the movie continues, we, we discover that each of the performers who are going to be in this musical are going to need to take their own personal leap of faith. In some way, for this musical to happen, every single performer is going to have to do something that absolutely terrifies them. They're going to have to overcome some sort of a, of a personal fear that they have. And, and finally, we reach the climactic point in the movie. We get to opening night. And, and on opening night, this enormous theater, so much bigger than the theater that Buster inherited from his dad, this enormous theater is packed. It's filled with people. And so the show begins. And as the show goes on, every character, every performer rises to the occasion. Every performer takes that leap of faith. Every performer does exactly what they set out to do. And then finally, we reach the big moment, the climactic moment in the movie and the climactic moment in the musical. And Clay Calloway steps out onto the stage and people gasp. They can't believe he's really, he's really there. A crackle of energy and anticipation runs through the crowd. And then Clay Calloway picks up his guitar and he begins to sing. And what song does he sing at the most important point in this musical at the most important point in this movie what song did the people who made sing to decide Clay Calloway was going to sing at this point in the movie he sings I have climbed highest mountain I have run through the fields only to be with you only to be with you but I still haven't found 
what I'm looking for. I got to apologize to the people at home because there's a good chance that YouTube just cut our feed and, and like we're going to get slapped with all kinds of copyright warnings and violations in, in, in days to come. All right, at, this, at this most important point in the movie, at the crucial point in the musical, the song that Clay Calloway sings is U2's 1987 smash hit, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Now, it is a great song. I mean, it is a great song. It went all the way to number one in 1987. At the Grammys the next year, it was nominated for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Rolling Stone magazine has, has named I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For one of the 100, 100 greatest songs of all time. It is a great song. But as I was sitting there at the movie theater on Tuesday night watching Clay Calloway sing this song at the most important point in the movie, I was thinking to myself, that is a really weird choice. Because at this point in the movie, every character has done exactly what they set out to do. Every plot point has been resolved. Buster's dreams have all come true. This is the moment in the movie when it seems like everybody in the film has finally found what they're looking for. And what song does Clay Calloway sing at this point in the movie? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. As I was watching the movie on Tuesday night, I thought that, that is a really weird choice. And, and, and you might even think that it is a wrong move, that it was a mistake on the part of the people who made the movie, that they weren't thinking this through. You might even think that it was a misstep to use that song at that point in the movie unless you know a little bit about the band U2. I am so excited that I get to talk to you all about U2 this morning. I am a big U2 fan. I've been a U2 fan for a long time. I got a U2 poster here in my office at, at Court Street United Methodist Church. I've been a fan of U2 for many, many years. And one of the reasons that I am so excited about U2, one of the reasons that I have followed them for so many years is because since way back in the 1980s, way back when they first hit it big and became the biggest rock and roll band in the whole world, U2, the members of U2, and especially the lead singer of U2, who, who goes by the name of Bono, they have been upfront and very open about their Christian faith. Uh, U2 is not a Christian band, and they don't make Christian music like the music that you hear on, on Christian radio, but even so, throughout their music, through all of the years, you can hear images and, and you can hear references to their Christian faith. Later on in this song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, Bono is going to sing, you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame, of my shame, you know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And you two have not just been, been singing about their faith. In as much as a mega celebrity can, for decades now, Bono has been actively trying to live out his faith in a very public way. Now, Bono, as the biggest rock star in the world, has used his platform, he has used his microphone to advocate for, for communities experiencing poverty and suffering from hunger and diseases like HIV and malaria. Bono has become one of the most significant philanthropists of his generation. He has worn his faith on his sleeve for decades now. And so, because he has been so public about his faith, because he has been so public about his relationship with Jesus, sometimes Bono 
Bono gets asked really interesting questions about his faith, like the question he was asked by a preacher, a famous evangelist, years ago, years and years ago. Bono was in a conversation with this preacher, this this famous evangelist, and this evangelist looked at Bono, the biggest rock and roll star in the world, and said, Bono, there's a question that I've wanted to ask you for years. He said, you have always been public about your faith. You have always been open about your relationship with Jesus. And what I want to know is how can somebody who has a faith like that, how can somebody who has such a deep relationship with Jesus write these words and sing these words, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Hasn't Jesus given you all of the answers to all of the questions that you've been asking? In Jesus, haven't you found, haven't you found exactly what you've been looking for? Which is a pretty good question. And Bono, without missing a beat, looked back at that preacher, that famous evangelist, and he said, not really. He said, in fact, Growing closer to Jesus hasn't given me the answers to all of my questions. In reality, growing closer to Jesus has just given me a whole lot of new questions. And that's a pretty good answer. Does that resonate with you? It resonates with me. And I have a feeling it would have resonated with the 12 disciples who followed Jesus as well. In this morning's scripture reading, we see Jesus and the 12 disciples in a really tense moment. We're at this point in Jesus' ministry when things have been going really well. The crowds of people coming to see Jesus have been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And just when it finally seems like Jesus and the disciples have hit the big time, they've really made it. Suddenly, Jesus goes and does something that puts his entire ministry in jeopardy. Here's what happened. Jesus had just finished performing one of his most spectacular miracles to date. He had fed this enormous crowd of thousands of people with just a handful of bread and a couple of fish. And when people heard about this miracle of Jesus, when they heard how he had fed this great big crowd of thousands of people, word got out and the crowds got bigger and bigger and the people who were coming to Jesus were persistent. They didn't give him a moment to rest. They followed him everywhere he went. And finally, in what may have been a tired and cranky moment for Jesus, Jesus stood up And he looked out over this great big crowd of people and he said to all of those people, why are you here? You're not here because you're seeking eternal life. You're here because I gave you a free lunch and you're hoping that I'll do it again. Jesus says, don't spend so much time and energy searching for the bread that will perish. Spend all of that time and energy searching for the bread that will lead to eternal life. Jesus scolds the crowds. He reprimands the crowds, but they don't get it. The crowds look at Jesus and they say, wait a minute, are you telling us that you've got an even better bread than the stuff you gave us yesterday? Give us that bread. We want to try this eternal life bread, whatever that is. And Jesus smacks his forehead. The gospel doesn't say that, but it's kind of implied. Jesus smacks his forehead and then he looks out at the crowds and he says, no, he says, you don't understand. He says, I am the bread of life. Eat my flesh Drink my blood and then, then you will never be hungry again. Then you will be filled with eternal life. And the people in the crowd look at Jesus and they say, you, 
They say, Jesus, that was really weird, that thing that you just said. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus, you were doing really well. We were right there with you up until the eat my flesh, drink my blood thing. But Jesus, that was just a little bit too weird and we're worried about you and we think maybe you should get some rest. Maybe you need to take a break. And then the people start to drift away and the crowd gets smaller. As the people are walking away, some of them shake their heads and say, you know, maybe Jesus just wasn't ready for the big time. Maybe he doesn't actually have what it takes. Even some of those disciples who have been following Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry begin to drift away. And as they're watching all those people walk away, the 12 disciples decide to hold an emergency meeting. And so they all put their heads together and they start talking about Jesus and they start grumbling about Jesus and they say, why does he have to be like that? Why does he have to be so weird? Why can't he just teach in a normal and straightforward way like the other rabbis do? Why does this have to be so hard? Why can't Jesus just draw the people in instead of pushing them away? And Jesus sees the disciples in a huddle over there. And he knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're saying. And so Jesus looks at the 12 disciples and he says, well, are you going to leave me too? And the 12 disciples sort of look at the top of their sandals. And then finally, Simon Peter picks up his head and he says to Jesus, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that lead to eternal life. We have come to believe that you have been sent by God and we are going to stick with you. That's a good answer. Essentially what Simon Peter says is, Lord, you haven't given us all the answers to all of our questions. As a matter of fact, you've just given us more questions than we had when we started. But even so, we are going to stick with you because you have the words that lead to eternal life. We believe that you have been sent by God. Does that answer resonate with you? I suspect it does. In these last few weeks, I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with people who have said to me, Pastor, I am really struggling right now. Life is really hard right now. And it seems like every week is just one crisis after another right now. And I'm getting frustrated. And I got to tell you, I'm even a little bit angry, maybe even a little more than a little bit angry with God right now. I cannot tell you how many people in the last few weeks have said to me, Pastor, I am angry and confused and frustrated with God right now. In a moment like this, it helps to remember that you're not the only one feeling that way. You're not the only one who has ever felt that way. The 12 disciples had moments just like that. Moments when they looked at Jesus and said, Lord, we don't understand half of what you're saying. And we don't understand why you do three quarters of the things that you do. But even so, they held on to Jesus because they believed that he was going to lead them to eternal life. And even some of the most famous Christians in the world today and throughout all of history have had moments just like this when they were angry and frustrated and confused by God and they said, Lord, this is really hard right now. I don't know why any of these things are happening and I don't know why you're not doing the things that I think you ought to be doing. But even so, I'm going to stick with you 
because I believe that you are the hope that this world has been waiting for. In a moment like this, it helps to remember that following Jesus is and always has been a leap of faith. We take the first step, even though we can't see the rest of the road. We hold on to Jesus, even though we can't see how he's going to do the things that he has promised to do. We hold on even when we got more questions than answers, even when it hurts to hold on, even when it is confusing and frustrating and hard. We hold on because we believe that somehow, if we can just stick with Jesus to the end, somehow we will find what we've been looking for. Let's pray. God, give us the strength to hold on to Jesus. Even when he doesn't make sense, even when he's confusing, even when he's frustrating, makes us angry. Help us to hold on to this conviction that lives in our hearts that he has the words that lead to eternal life, that he was sent by you, that he is the hope that this world has been waiting for. And help us to hold on to Jesus until we and all the world find what we've been looking for. In Jesus we pray. Amen.